this is Bobby Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big barbecue central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, originating from the rock and roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you right here on your Tuesday evening for your live fire fun and frivolity show. That's what we're calling it, the live fire fun and frivolity show. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, t-shirts are in the making. They will be very expensive. They will be very unique collector's items, if you will, the fun and frivolity show t-shirts. So be on the lookout for those. If you want to jump in on the show this evening, love to have you. Here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 12 to 13 minutes from now. It's the second Tuesday of the month, which you know, if you're a fan of the show, brings a visit from the creator of AmazingRibs.com, Meathead. However, if you joined me last week during the first Tuesday of the month, you would know that October is special because I am taking my show regulars or recurring guests or whatever you want to call them and doing what I'm terming the origin stories of all of them. So, for instance, last week, if you're just new to the show, you're just finding it here on the 13th of October, I had a origin story in the first hour last week with Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. And in the second hour, I had one with Sam, the cooking guy, who's my second hour regular Tuesday guest in the uh, on the first Tuesday of the month. That was really convoluted as I was saying it out loud. And the concept or the idea here is, I would say on the whole, if you're somewhat knowledgeable about the industry, you can find some rudimentary information. Uh, Meathead's got a really big bio on AmazingRibs.com that he wrote. I don't think anybody else on the show Maybe Stephen Reichland does, but uh, nobody has uh, quite the extensive bio like Meathead has on AmazingRibs.com. So I wanted to put together a piece that is within this time frame that we're in now that you can go back and reference, or perhaps I can go back and reference them for you if you shoot me an email and go, hey, I would really love to know more about Malcolm or Stephen Reichland or Robin Lindars or 
the embedded correspondence. Well, now I will have a point in time that I can go back and say, hey, this is all current. We did a deep dive back from when they were born all the way to present day. And here's what you have now 10 or 15 years from now. Obviously, that could be a little bit dated and we might have to do some more uh, or renew some origin stories on the folks that are still alive. So we'll hold that off for now. But really looking forward to doing the second week here in October of origin stories with Meathead. So uh, format is changing a little bit. I mean, we're still doing the segments. It's still going to be Meathead. But I am also allotting for time into the second hour because we are literally starting from the beginning. So I don't want to rush through it. That's why we want long with... I mean, we fit Malcolm in in an hour because he was fairly succinct in how he was answering the questions. It just fit within the hour. Sam won an hour and a half. Uh, I'm not putting any real-time constraints on Meathead. So we're going to do first hour. And then if it breaches over into the second hour or most of the second hour, that's fine. I do have a 35 past the second hour guest for the bullpen segment. His name is AJ Lujan. He is a competitive steak cook. He is 15 years old. If the name, the last name sounds familiar, it's because he is a son to one, the Anthony Lujan, who was a co-host of the Pitmasters podcast. So looking forward to doing a special show yet again, Meathead's origin story, which I've been looking forward to ever since I came up with this concept. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at the following platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. All of those can be found at BBQ Central Show. You can get me on Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also, back on YouTube Live this week, I got that figured out. Slash RD Rempe is the place to find me on YouTube. And oh, by the way, there is a super chat available. So please go ahead and super chat me uh, $200, $300, $500. I'll take all the money. No problem there. So if you're wondering what those little things, something to do with stickers, something to do with super chat, I have no idea exactly what that entails. But uh. I'm wondering if you super chat me, that basically means you have to pay some kind of money and then your particular post will stay up for a corresponding period of time. I think $500 gets you five hours or something you know, ridiculous. So uh, I'm just wondering if it actually shows up on the social media feed that I have uh, where I'm watching your interaction with each other here through YouTube and Facebook, uh, Twitch as well. So we'll see how that works out. First off, ton of great feedback on the first set of origin stories I did last week with Malcolm and Sam. The common theme was that while you already knew some stuff about each of these guys, there was plenty that you didn't know about them. And getting to know a little bit more intimate details for these guys gives you a deeper appreciation for them, gets you more connected to them, bigger fans of them. Same for me, by the way. So glad you're liking that first set. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, looking forward to getting down with Meathead in about uh, five minutes from now. Also, I got a lot of this reaction as well that I wasn't anticipating. And I'm paraphrasing. This doesn't have anything to do with the origin stories per se. It said something along the lines of, Greg, you're doing a month of origin stories on regular guests. 
this might be the perfect time to give us the origin stories on why you hate Jack Nicholas and Kent Asormo. And as the 15th and the 20th email that was roughly referencing the same type of idea, I thought to myself, is there an origin story for my hatred of the Golden Bear and one of the most successful horse jockeys ever? I mean, I'm not talking Mike Smith successful, but successful enough for me to know who he is in a lineup. And I thought, how long could that story really be? It would go along this kind of a timeline. Jack Nicholas is born. At some point in his life becomes a raging asshole. And then I meet him and he continues to be a raging asshole. The end. That's his origin story right there. Jack Nichols. Now, Kent Sormos might be a little different. Very similar, but perhaps a little different in this way. Kent Sormo is born, probably illegitimately. Kent Sormo, at some point after being born, also becomes a raging asshole. However, also becomes a belligerent drunk. Then I meet him. He still is an incredible asshole. And I would have to believe a belligerent drunk. And then the story goes to the end. The end. That's Kent DeSormo's origin story. That's, that's, my, that's it. I don't know what else. Uh, honestly, there is more of a backstory to Jack Nicholas. And I just don't want to get into it with you guys about what I don't want to ruin the facade of what a great guy Jack Nicholas is when he's a golden asshole is what he is. I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but I'm telling you I have firsthand experience on what a hole this guy is. Someday I'll probably share it. Maybe if we drop out of a segment or something doesn't go right and I need to fill time. Because I I will need definitely at least a whole long segment to fill you in on the whole backstory of the Golden Bear. Just don't think he's that great of a guy. And the thing that really pisses me off, I didn't even really know who the hell he was. I, I wasn't even his fan. That's all I'm saying for now. Wait until the segment pops. We got Meathead coming up out of the break for his origin story. I'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside Market, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations, offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow-smoked over real wood, shipping, distributing, manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S., from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside Sausage can be on your menu as well. All meats processed in the on-site USDA inspected facility. A trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options are available shipping nationwide via FedEx. You can also find them through food service distribution channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. Co-packaging capable for research and development to package completion. They can follow your specific recipe or help you develop something brand new from scratch. Private label opportunities are also available. You might want to look into those if you already have a place going and you want successful sausage, but you just want to put your name on it. You don't want any other backbreaking work that goes into recipe development. 
That's private label. Visit southsidemarket.com for more information on everything. While you're there loading up the cart and you want to save 10%, use promo code BBQ Central at checkout. Uh, that's BBQ C E N T R A L, all one word in lowercase, BBQ Central. And that gets you 10% off your entire order when you're at southsidemarket.com. Sausage slammers, check. Jalapeno cheddar sausage, check. Hot guts, yes. Sausage slammers, did I already say that? They're one of my favorites. The onion sausage, an incredible sausage array, number one. And then the meats, briskets, ribs, all shipping to you right now. This time of coronavirus, you need some really good Southside Market and barbecue because you don't want to go eat in Elgin or Austin or Bastrop. That's fine. They'll ship it to you. And you can save 10% when you use promo code BBQ Central. Meathead's origin story. Oh my. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue, makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit ButcherBBQ.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher, right? We're always trusting our butcher on this show. Longtime sponsor. We certainly appreciate it. All right, because he was giving me the what for last time. Here we go. Joining me for his traditional second Tuesday of the month spot. It is Meathead right here. Hey, Meathead. <laughs> what do we think? Hello, Greg, and hello, Centralite. All right. Got your... Uh, uh, what, is, what we, you, you got me nervous over tonight, Greg. Got the I got to tell you. Oh, what are you talking about? I mean, you, you've you lived this life, Meathead, so it's not like we're going to be I, uh, poking I, anything out of, the, out of the ordinary, right? Yeah. Are you growing you know, your hair I back? Just, it's a little bit, I, you know. I just don't. I, I, I did the buzz cut, and now nice. I, I haven't done it since. So oh, it's, right. I'll probably do a buzz cut again. Yeah, it's a work in progress. I get it. Trust me. I'm, I'm yeah, fighting with yeah. my hair every single day. When every I was single. in high school, I had a flat top. I had a flat. Put wax in it. Oh know? yes, the wax. Oh yeah. I was, awesome. Well, I was a football player and a swimmer. Hold on. You know, Wait a second. There. Wait a second. We're going. <laughs> let's let's dive headlong into this, and I have allotted for. Uh, you know, a, a bunch of extra time just in case, because uh, I don't want to rush through it. I want to get through these things properly and as organically as we can. So uh, let's roll it all the way to the back. Here he is, Meathead. When were you born? Oh, it was a dark and stormy night. Greg. Always, always. <laughs> 1949. All right. Um, a great vintage in Bordeaux and Burgundy. Really? Uh, four years after the war, my uh, my dad came home from the war. He flew B-29s, wow. met my mom. He, 
she he was lifeguarding and she was hanging around the beach jones beach in long island and they uh they married uh, uh at the waldorf Astoria, i think wow. um in new york um i'm looking i got a picture of the two of them at their wedding right there dad wearing a top hat mom beautiful dad's gone now mom's still with us 95 years old wow we I was talking with Sam, the cooking guy, last week. Uh, his dad has passed away as well, and uh, but his mom is still around ninety-six years old. So, yeah, uh, yeah we yeah. got some hangers honors there for you guys. You can probably arm wrestle. Mine is a pistol. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, through the through the course, Meathead, did your parents stay together, or how did that work out? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She was uh, by his side when he died, um, and. Uh, uh, it was a good marriage, as near as I could tell. I like everybody else. There was occasional fights, but usually the fights were with me. <laughs> uh, so were you only child, or were there other siblings in the house? No, I got a kid sister. She's uh, five years younger, lives in uh, Pompano Beach, not far from Mom. Um, and uh, uh, we're both uh, University of Florida Gators. Uh, what kind of – how would you characterize your – relationship with your parents uh you know we don't have to like just as a kid we'll get into the, the education and stuff here in, in a moment and how that is uh, how that relationship grew i was always encouraged at the dinner table to participate in conversation uh like an adult um uh i was never shut down um uh, but the, it was fairly strict i had some pretty strict regulations around me um, one of the coolest things was, as I look back, um, when I got real in really bad trouble, dad wouldn't whoop me. Um, I had a pair of boxing gloves and so did he, <laughs> and my bed was in the corner and we'd both lace up and I, at least I could swing back. I could fight back, but of course he'd beat the snot out of me. <laughs> And uh, that was uh, how he uh, whooped me. Do you, um, do you think he was I, like I, I full was tilt? Always, was he going full tilt at you, or just trying to, I to give you a lesson? It. I doubt it. I, you know, it was just. But you know, get ready for a beating, son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meathead joining us here on the show. Um, all right. So, how do you recall, or, or, or prior to starting school? How would you characterize yourself as a kid? Were you curious? Were you into stuff? Like, what were you as a youth? Yeah, I was. Um, we, I, 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 I lived the first nine years on Long Island, but um, the really formative years were in Florida. Um, it was rural then. It was not um, heavily populated. Um, I spent a lot of time down by the creek. Uh, uh, fishing for minnows and pollywogs and um, hunting snakes and uh, building forts with my buddies. And uh, there was a recreation center. I was a swimmer. I swam a lot. And I actually competed at a very high level at AA, on AAU. Spent a lot of time down at the pool um, and uh, played high school football. Um, actually, now, God, that brings back a memory. I was part of the Ringling Redskins, and I think, I don't know if anybody keeps these records, but I'm pretty sure the Redskins were like the first peewee football league in the country. Hmm. Um, we were like 10 or 12 years old or something. We had we had full pads, and uh, 
Ringling named after the Ringling Brothers. I was, this was Sarasota, Florida, which yep. is where the Ringling Mansion is. The Ringling Brothers. John Ringling lived there. I think there's a university so a uh, out there in Sarasota now, too, isn't there? Yes, right. Yep. And so um, there was a... Uh, so I was, you know, in a sport. I had a flat stomach. <laughs> How do you go from and Long uh, Island to, to Florida? Was there a job move or something? Yeah, dad Dad was a food technology major. Ha uh-huh. Bloodline. Yeah. Um, at uh, NYU. And I came back from the war. I uh, got into college on the GI Bill. Uh, he and his uh, cousin, my uncle Buddy, uh, both went to NYU in food technology. They opened up a butcher shop, uh, Bloodlines, uh, on Long Island, and uh, it, it wasn't successful. Um, he got a job with USDA. He was a inspector. Uh, they first sent him to the coast of Maine, um, a little town called Bayside, near Belfast on Penobscot Bay. I'll never forget. I was nine, ten years old. It was the most idyllic summer you could imagine. Um, cold water, but swimming, seafood. And I got a job working in the kitchen at the Maine Sailing School. This was a sailing school for kids. They would come up from the cities and spend the summer on and, 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 and base, Bayside and learn how to sail. And I got sailing lessons in exchange for working in the kitchen. And uh, I guess that was my first real exposure to cooking and to food. Although dad was a ad, uh, a, 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 a great lover of barbecue and grilling, um, he had something akin to a Weber kettle, and uh, his, his specialty was um, flank steak. And uh, I fell in love with it, and he let me hang out by the grill with him. And uh, that was probably where I got the first injection of grilling and barbecue. Now, nah. I hope my mom's not listening, but he might have let me have a little sip of beer along the way, and that might have influenced me. Yeah. But uh, uh, those those flank steaks. Mom was a good cook. She's nothing fantastic. But Dad's flank steaks, oh, my, I love those things. Well, anybody out there knows. Flank steaks, if you cook it right, you get that hard crust. You get that soft, tender center. It's a little chewy, but if you cut it right, it's so beefy. And I just fell in love with it, man. I loved grilling. So that's probably where some of the live fire foundations are laid as a yeah. youth. Oh, yeah. That was and, first. Yeah. Um, what do you recall from a primary education years? Like, was school something that's easy for you as you're getting through elementary, middle school, high school? What kind of a student are you, and, and what are you into? I was, I was a pretty good student. Uh, we, uh, we moved around uh, a little bit as Dad was with the government. The, you know, Blueberry Factory shut down after the blueberry season in Maine to um, inspect Blueberry Factory and uh, not a blueberry, a, um, orange juice factory, Tropicana factory in Bradenton, Florida. So we uh, we lived in Sarasota and uh, that's uh, this was 1959, I think, moved to Sarasota and uh, I was a pretty good student. Um, uh I didn't, you know, I didn't have to study a lot and got pretty good grades. Uh, I, I enjoyed school. I mean, it was, you know, stimulation. Uh, you had mentioned that you were also a football player and a swimmer. Were you most competitive then at this point, or did you go in and swim or play football at the next level? I was undersized for a football player, but I loved it, and I and I, I just love throwing my body. Uh, at, at, at 
I, in high school, later on, we moved across the ca uh, across the state to um, Merritt Island, which was um, this was in the at the start of the space program. Um, Dad left the USDA and uh, took a job with a stock brokerage, and they sent him to Cocoa, Florida, in 1960, which I think it was 58 or 59 when um, the Russians launched Sputnik. And uh, we started the space program right around that time and uh, with uh, the Vanguard. And uh, uh, all of the engineers, the scientists, the bestest and brightest from Boeing and Northrop and Br uh, uh, Bell, they all moved into this uninhabited little fishing area, uh, Cocoa, Cocoa Beach, Merritt Island, Melbourne, um, and what later became Satellite Beach, named after the missile program, and uh, uh, the brand new junior high opened up, or high school, Merritt Island High School, and uh, I, I, I was both on the swimming team and the football team. Uh, what was the food scene like for you growing up? Otherwise, you'd mentioned your dad's steak. You said your mom was a okay cook. It didn't sound like she was necessarily setting the kitchen on fire in a good way. But were there any like uh, were were there any fa secret family recipes or like grandparents that came around or anything like that? I, I remember mom's lasagna. Um, and um, uh, but we were we were in the coast. We were in Florida. I, I ate seafood. Dad and I were into fishing, and um, uh, at one point we moved into a house that was right on um, the uh, intercoastal waterway. So I could walk out my backyard, stand on the seawall, take a uh, piece of kite string and tie a chicken neck to it, throw it out into the water, and in a few minutes I could feel tugging on it and pull it in, and I've had uh, head crabs. And I would just, you know, hook scoop them up in a net and it was paid in the ass getting them out of the net and then throw them up on the lawn and i could get a dozen of them in an hour easily and we just boil them up and uh, dad uh, dad always had a boat he, as long as i can remember he had a boat little runabout eventually he got a crisscraft uh, something we could all sleep in um and uh we we'd go out off uh, into the atlantic into the gulf stream and fish and come home, uh, gosh, I have a picture, I didn't think he'd bring it up, of uh, me holding up a mahi-mahi, like a 60-pound fish. Wow. And uh, those were wonderful. We'd, so if I, if I stayed on the coast, I'd be fishhead, not meathead. Is the crab illegal to catch like that back then or no? I don't think there was anything illegal about it. I mean, it was just, this was rural Florida. Yeah. I don't know if there were, you know, any <laughs> legal restrictions or anything. Yeah, we just, we, we'd boil up crabs. You know, they were fantastic. It's probably still legal. Were you employable back then through high school? Do you have any odd jobs? <laughs> well, here we go. This is the good story. This is um, through high school and college. I took a job as the lifeguard at the Sheraton Hotel on Cocoa Beach. And very soon after the uh, uh, space program began, began the um, seven original astronauts, and I can name them all, I knew them all. They all moved down there and they bought a part of the Sheraton Hotel. They were my bosses. And uh, I would hang out at the Sheraton, at the pool, 
And uh, they'd come around, hanging around, sniffing around, looking at the pretty girls. Alan Shepard was a hound dog. And, you know, Disney is running um, a remake of the, uh, the movie The Right Stuff and the book The Right Stuff. And it, it's been Hollywood eyes, but there's a lot of truth. And they, they show Shepard for what he was. He was constantly chasing women. There was a bar there. Um, and they were just, you know, I mean, you know, hey, honey, I'm an astronaut. <laughs> does that does that work? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Did that work? You know, I mean, they, they owned a hotel, so they had their choice of rooms. And, um, oh, my, uh, you know, I, I, I don't recall that John Glenn was ever involved. He's got a reputation as a straight arrow and a Bible thumper. And, I don't think he was a chaser, but uh, most of the rest of them were. I mean, you know, they they were family men. Their spouses moved down there with them eventually, but um, they were, you know, these were guys who were they were test pilots, man. They, I mean, look at in 1960, John Kennedy threw down the gauntlet and said, "I want to put a man on the moon in 10 years," and they did it. Think about that. They didn't have, you know, these things. These the, this. This little iPhone here has got more computing power than uh, they put on those spaceships, and they, they did it. They started with the Redstone rocket and the and the uh, the Mercury capsule and the uh, the Atlas Centaur and the Gemini capsule, uh, the Titan three C, and then finally the Saturn five. I knew them all, and I knew the and I knew uh, you know the, the photographer for the Associated Press turned one of the rooms at the Sheraton into a dark room and he'd let me come up there and help him develop films. So that was my, I was always interested in photography and that was my first exposure to color work. And, uh, I mean, you know, can you can imagine this was exciting stuff, especially for a 17, eight year 18, 19 year old kid, um, being around these studs and the space program and, 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 and all these engineers, these were young, bright, talented people um and that whole area the the space coast they call it now it just grew up overnight and think about this they they started with almost nothing and they put a man on the moon in 10 years wow. um just incredible uh, without any of the computing power that we have today it was really fun stuff no doubt sounds like a great time uh and inspirational to you as well uh, were there other jobs, or was there no reason to have any other job than stay at that chair? It sounds no, like I that was, would be the only I place I'd stay. A, a lifeguard. You know, I, I was a good swimmer. I, I, I made it to the state meet in Florida. That's not small potatoes. I was a breaststroker, a good breaststroker. I was a mediocre butterflyer um, and uh, um, didn't have all this hair on my chest. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, um, the, the, you know, my Mary Island High School had a very advanced science program. It was underwritten by the uh, uh, the big the big corporations, and uh, I got into one of the advanced science classes. In fact, my my junior year, my science project went all the way to the state fair. I was growing chlorella, which is a type of algae, in fish tanks, uh, and I was working with ways to optimize its growth with the idea that space travel to Mars, they could grow these little algae in tanks and harvest it and make food out of it. And I made cookies, chocolate chip cookies out of them. 
And uh, that was one of my first recipes ever, chlorella chocolate chip cookies. They were awful. Um, <laughs> but I won, a, I won an award from NASA for aerospace science research in high school. Um, uh, but they, thank God, they never tasted my cookies. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, did that somebody have to taste that at some point in order to, <laughs> to give you, you an award? Think, you would think, but I had a great poster, and I, you know, as you may know, I had the gift of gab, and I could sell the concept. Hmm. So what? I mean, what would have? What was going to be the use to eat? Yeah, well, the whole idea was, if we're going into space, we got to go to Mars. Yeah. We got to go far. And, you know, you can't put, you know, pack sandwiches in a, in a <laughs> so you got to grow food. And so this was uh -huh. an idea of chlorella, the algae, they reproduce fast. They really grow fast. <laughs> and uh, so the idea, if we can use this little microbe, not, not, not a microbe, small plant for food, that'd be cool. I don't think that's ever got a future. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You never know. When things, when the chips are down, we can always go back to Growing chlorella or chlorella or whatever the hell. Chlorella, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, all right, Meathead, so uh, stand by here just for a second. We'll come back. We'll get into the college and early job years and take it from there. You're listening to the origin story of Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. I'll talk to you quickly about Pits and Spits, and then we'll get right back to Meathead. Since 1983, Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston, Texas. Within that time, they have established themselves as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers and, more recently, pellet cookers. Pits and Spits sets itself apart by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge steel in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit, and 304 stainless steel roll-top lids and front shelves on every single cooker. Why does it matter? Well, by using higher-quality materials, Pits and Spits smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. And by providing fully welded smokers, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel or about the grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard. And by using 304 stainless, you're getting an heirloom quality product that you'll be able to pass down to your kids. Now, where some companies are focusing on the low-cost provider, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship using quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to make these things? Sure. But they don't like making tack welds, cheap stainless, or electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them complete control of the design and standards. That's not something you're going to find from something that's brought in overseas. Their steel suppliers supply materials to be used in some of the harshest environments around, so you know they're going to perform wherever you live. And they have unimpeded access to their controllers because they're made right here in the USA. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country, but if there isn't one close to you, go ahead and call Koi at the shop, 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition team looking to do 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits is a product for you. You can check them out online, Pits and Spits, all spelled out. Or you can check them out in the wild across all their social media handles at Pits and Spits. We are back with more Meathead. Stick around. We'll be right back. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. 
Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com, that's C-O-O-K-I-N, CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. In lieu of purchasing from Cooking Pellets, you can also do that on Amazon.com. I was keeping an eye out to see if they were on uh, Prime Days cooking pellets, but they were not on Prime Days. Maybe tomorrow. We'll have to check for tomorrow. All right, we are rejoined by Meathead from AmazingRibs.com as we were getting through the high school, learning about how he was best buddies with the original seven astronauts out there in Florida as he was lifeguarding them. Uh, So we get into college, Meathead. Uh, Florida Gator, tried and true, as you said. Very proud of that. Uh, What did you go in for? And uh, perhaps the question of generations is what did you go into study and what did you end up graduating with? Because there does seem to be quite a change that happens within yeah, those four yeah, plus years. Oh yeah. There's a story behind that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, 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 you know, I was going to be a doctor, you know, I had good grades and, uh, I thought I'd be a doctor. Any and, specific uh, doctor, like a anesthesiologist, no, cardiovascular, doctor, general you know, doctor. Uh, yeah, you know, my parents says, "Ah, oh, go be a doctor." <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, I went right out of high school. I graduated in uh, May or June and uh, registered right away. Went to uh, went to Gainesville in uh, the June and started the summer semester. Uh, I couldn't wait and uh, got straight A's summer semester, first semester in college. This was easy. I thought, holy cow, I'm going to breeze through college just like I did high school. Don't have to study or anything. <laughs> and then uh, pledge fraternity. <laughs> you know what's coming, don't oh, you? Oh, boy. <laughs> I pledged fraternity in the fall. I'm a Phi Gamma Delta, Fiji. <clears throat> and um, started partying. Um, this was the 60s. You know the old joke about if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> Uh, but he was smoking dope, and uh, we were drinking, and we were partying. And uh, um, uh, by uh, end of spring semester, I had flunked out. I went from wow. uh, yeah, I got straight A's my first semester. I got I was elected president of the freshman honorary society, which was an academic honorary, <clears throat> and uh, I probably the first president of Phi Phi Eta Sigma, I think it was called, that ever flunked out. And uh, I was um, facing the draft. I was number 20 in the draft. Back in those days, <clears throat> we were at war in Vietnam, and uh, they were drafting uh, young men and to decide who to draft. They threw your birth date in a hat and pulled it out, and you were assigned a number. And if you were a high number, or a low number, rather, you were, you were dead meat. You were going to Vietnam. And I was number 20. I was, I mean, you know, I think anything under 200 was on, was going to be drafted. Yeah. But our, University of Florida was a land-grant college, which meant uh, uh, federal government granted the land. And so everybody there was required to take ROTC for two years. So I was in ROTC, and I kind of liked it. I liked uh, the military aspects, and I liked the idea of a good, strong army and uh, – um, and I liked firing weapons and, uh, I liked, uh, they would drop us off in swamps with compasses and tell us to find our way out. 
and this was fun stuff and uh i decided i'd just stick it out you know and uh so after the two years i continued they paid me which was nice right. uh, that was beer money <clears throat> but um i faced the prospect of when i graduated i was going to be commissioned a second lieutenant by then <clears throat> Um, the war was starting to wind down in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, and uh, I had uh, some real misgivings about what the heck are we doing over there? You know, uh, Muhammad Ali said it. Uh, I got nothing against no Vietnamese. Um, and uh, here I am wearing a uniform. And uh, so I, I'd, I'd started a routine of dropping in and out of college. I drop out. And uh, then I was out of ROTC, and then I'd go back, and then I was in our, and I loved it. I went to summer camp. I went, I fought the Fiat, the the, the, the Fayette Kong, they call them, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at our, our ROTC summer camp. We spent summer camp, the college kids fighting against the 82nd Airborne. Oh my God! Um, <clears throat> and uh, um, eventually the draft ended, and I didn't end up going into the military, and. Uh, it's probably just as well. There were a lot of ROTC graduates who came in as second lieutenants and uh, were disrespected by the uh, the foot soldiers, the GIs, the kids who were drafted. Uh, a lot of inner city kids, and uh, oh golly, you know, sometimes they got shot, and oftentimes the bullet hole was in the back. Wow, you know, and uh, that probably would have been my fate. Um, college kid with a degree and a lieutenant leading men who knew war far better than I would have. Uh, so you getting, you're getting through college. Uh, how long does it end up taking you if you're joining and dropping and joining and dropping? Well, I switched from pre-med to journalism, and that was a good move because I loved to write, and I did great. I mean, I was the uh, uh, an editor at the, uh, the campus paper, the Florida Alligator, we won the Nat the Hearst Award for the Nat nation's best college daily. <clears throat> I was the sports editor at one time. I went out for the University of Florida football team in spring um, to write. At the time, there was a best-selling novel called Paper Tiger, and uh, it was written by George Plimpton. And he was a very good author, but his his specialty was he would not just write about something, he would do it. And so, you know, he did skydiving and he went out for the Detroit Tigers. Oh, no, Paper Lion was the book, Paper Lion. And he, he went out for the Detroit Lions Oof. and he suited up and practiced with him. He got his ass creamed. So I figured, hey, I'm going to be Paper Gator. And I did the same thing. And uh, they gave me the locker next to Jack Youngblood. Now, I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows that name. <clears throat> But uh, Jack Youngblood was uh, All-American, um, made it All-Pro with the L.A. Rams. He's in the uh, uh, Hall of Fame. Jack was 6'7". I was 5'9". Five, five, no, closer to 5'8". And uh, uh, I had played linebacker in high school, but, uh, you know, way too small for that in college. So they put me in, in the def as a safety. And, I, you know, I was there just to write the story, to learn about what it felt like to be a college football player. And in, in, uh, uh, in spring training, um, uh, they put me at safety. And uh, um, uh, we'd go out, and when we'd stand around the defensive huddles, Youngblood rest his elbow on my helmet, you know. But he well, was he's a foot taller and, than you for uh, crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, easily, easily. <clears throat> in, in the orange and blue game, the spring game, um, 
I'm sitting on the bench with a clipboard taking notes right from my article because this is the end, the, the the end of the article, you know, the end of spring training, and I got to wrap this thing up. And uh, the the last play of the game, uh, coach turns around and yells, "Paper Gator, get your helmet on." Now this was not in the program, <laughs> and they send me out on the field. I couldn't. It took me a minute to find my helmet. <laughs> they send me out on the field, and uh, I get to the huddle, and they, uh, they 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 there's two safeties in the huddle, and I'm you know I'm supposed to be a safety. No, you're middle linebacker, Mike linebacker, middle linebacker. What? 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 I've been practicing in safety. Just get down there, man. All right. Well, I know how to play linebacker. I line up. And, you know, they used to play a 5 3, uh, but now they were in a 4 3. Well, 5 3, there's a man on the center. 4 3, there's nobody on the center. And the center has a clear shot at the middle linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> and and the ball is snapped, and I realized, you know, what's happening. <laughs> there's a target on my chest. So I dove for the ground, just, you know, like a rabbit heading for a rabbit hole. And the center tripped over me, the fullback tripped over the center and the running back got his leg hooked around the fullback. And there's a picture of it. There's actually a photograph of this that ran in the associated press because I wrote this story and it was picked up by AP. Uh, and I tackled, the, I tackled the running back essentially trip, but I, my record in the swamp is one play, one tackle, one yard loss. Wow. Match that. No doubt. Get that guy into the College Football Hall of Fame immediately. Plus, he can write, for crying out loud. Probably 85% of those guys uh, were, were reading that and loving every second of it. Um, uh, I got a lot of flack off of that one. Oh, I bet. Um, all right, so as you're winding college down, um, are you graduating with a journalism degree? or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I actually, actually, what happened was, is I um, because of uh, uh, ROTC, the draft, and a million other things, I got really into photography. And the University of Florida had a really great photography department run by, uh, headed by a man named Jerry Eulesman. And if you're at all interested in photography, if you don't know the name, go Google him, U-E-L-S-M-A-N-N. His work is just marvelous. And, and Jerry um, took me under his wing, and uh, um, I remember sitting on the lawn with him one day looking at a portfolio of Edward Weston photographs that he had gotten because he traded a portfolio of his photographs. And uh, um, so I, you know, I got really into photography, and I got a one-man show. Actually, it was a two-man show. My best friend and I got a two-man show. Um, and this little artsy village on the west coast of Florida, north of St. Petersburg, um, and uh, Safety Harbor, and a uh, pretty little beach town, uh, and uh, had a one had a two man show there, and we worked for months to make the prints for it, and uh, went there, and uh, it was the beginning of my art career, and um, the it turns out the woman who ran the gallery. Um, invited me to her house to see her paintings. Uh, her specialty was large canvases that she painted by taking off her clothes and wiggling around on the canvas with paint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I won't go any further than that. But it really did spur my interest in art. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, it's spurring and, my interest as we talk about it. <laughs> I... Uh, 
I never made it back to Gainesville. I just got in the car, and as I was heading back to Gainesville, I picked up a couple of hitchhikers. It was in August, and they were going to Detroit. And um, they were telling me how they were making a lot of money working on the assembly line. And, uh, wow, that's a lot of money. And I, I was pretty much paying my own way in college. Um, uh, and uh, I, working in, I was at ABC Liquors. A big chain of liquor stores. Um, still that is, was a lot I think. of fun. Uh, it still is. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, most of the liquor stores have bars attached. And th there's a good story here because this is where the barbecue connection comes in. Um, the liquor store had a bar in the back, and I was the assistant manager of the liquor store. My roommate was the manager. <clears throat> I loved it because I was able to recommend wines to my professors. I got really into wine. My buddies and I were tasting the wines. And uh, 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 I, I'd start recommending wines to my professors, and then they'd tell me how much they loved it, you know. So I don't know if it ever helped my grades, but I imagined it might. Couldn't hurt. But uh, there was this guy who'd come into the bar um, once a week. Usually, I think it was Thursday. And he'd come in with this styrofoam cooler, big cooler. Um, and um, it was full of ribs wrapped in aluminum foil. And he would sell them to the patrons of the bar. And we let him in, you know. I mean, we didn't give him any grief. And they smelled so good. And I started buying them and bringing them back to the uh, fraternity house and then later to the, door, uh, the, the, the apartment where I lived. And we were just enthralled. We'd never tasted anything like this. And um, uh, it was years later, many years later, that I realized this was sunny. The guy who started Sonny's Barbecue restaurant chain in Florida. Really? He was cooking these ribs in a uh, concrete backyard pit and selling them in bars in Gainesville, Florida. How about that? Wow. So Sonny of Sonny's Barbecue was really who got me started. And now I was on a mission. I wanted more of this stuff, and I wanted to know how you make it. And there was a barbecue joint in town called Y.T. Parker's Barbecue, and it was in the um, uh, African-American section of town where the college kids never went. And uh, I went, and I went down in there, and I would taste all his barbecue. And, uh, I, you know, I kept asking questions, and he'd let me eventually go out back where he had a pit, actual pit, dug in the ground. Now, after the city came down on him, he built a concrete block pit. But I could hang out with him and his buddies and drink beer, and they taught me how to cook. And that's where I learned how to barbecue from Y.T. Parker, big old uh, heavy cigarette-smoking black guy. And the place was like a, um, you know, it looked like a chicken coop or something. None of the tables were steady. They all wobbled. And uh, you could buy, you could buy uh, pulled pork sandwiches. And um, if, if you can take the sauce hotter than the hottest one he had, he could amp it up. You could name it. And I remember the last one that I ate was Super Saber Jet. Wow. <laughs> that sounds hot. Yeah, they were hot. I couldn't eat them. Um, but I learned how to barbecue in an open pit, logs. Um, and uh, that was really my start uh, down that path. Um, Dad got me started with his flank steaks for grilling, but um, for low and slow smoked open pit barbecue, this was this was you know old style.
Um, Central Florida is more of a more like more a part of Georgia than it is. You know, people think of Florida, they think of Miami, and you know, Miami is a suburb of New York. Uh, Gainesville is um, <laughs> a, a suburb of Detroit, uh, of uh, Georgia, rather. So, uh, in any case, uh, winding back, winding back, winding back. I pick up these two hitchhikers going to Gainesville, and they're going to Detroit. They're making a lot of money up there, and I figured if you can make that much, I think it was three and a quarter an hour. Holy cow, three and a quarter an hour on the assembly line? Pack my bags. I had a little Toyota pickup truck with a camper on the back. So I just drove them all the way to Detroit and went to the Dearborn Recreation Center and parked in the parking lot and slept in my camper, got up in the morning and went into the rec center and showered in the shower, in the gym. And I lived there for like three months in this little pickup truck, Worked, got a job in a liquor store. Because when I got there, all of the factories had shut down. I didn't know enough. The, in, in those days... All of the automobile factories shut down end of August yeah, for to retool for the yes. new model year. Right, right, right. You know the the nineteen seventy ones are done. We got to retool for the nineteen seventy twos, and uh, so I couldn't get a job in the factory. It was right near the Dearborn plant too, and uh, I couldn't get a job. So I got a job in a little liquor store, um, and uh, uh, you know that you know I was really into wine then too, and I helped them create a, a a good selection of wine and beer and we started a little wine club and it was very successful all right uh let me do this meathead i'm going to try and uh get the clock right here uh so then we can head into the second hour and finish out your oh my god your current life uh so uh stand by just for one second and we'll be right back with meathead from amazing ribs uh, I'll talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of this show. Always believing outdoor cooking should be fun and easy because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill and any of the Barbecue Guru controllers. Monolith, the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan, meeting smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature control devices. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pitmaster. And with minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. You can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. And if you already have a Barbecue Guru controller, you don't have to get a new one. If you order the Monolith, you just take that controller, hook it up to the power draft fan that's built into it, and away you go. You're off and running. If you don't like ceramic cookers or you want something different, they do have another option. It's called the Shotgun Cooker. It's more of a cabinet style. Again, huge capacity on this. The burn time with a automatic temperature control device, the insulation that it's in there. I think Bob has said that he's routinely gotten over 24 hours on a single load of charcoal. And again, can accommodate half and full pans. So if you're catering or you're looking to do uh, more than your traditional family amounts, it's something that can absolutely get it done. Again, fully insulated. Give them a call or ask them any questions by visiting the website, bbqguru.com, or as I mentioned, call 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU, and they will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show, and we're back with more Meathead to round out the first hour right after this. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content, 
in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we are brought to you this time around by Fireboard 2 and Fireboard 2 Drive. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth if you have to. Alexa and Google Assistant compatible as well. So if you have one or both, you can hook them up. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And we have Meathead aboard here. Uh, we got like uh, three minutes before we run to the top of the hour here, Meathead. So uh, is there anything collegiately that you want to, uh, or, uh, or, or first job-wise, you want to close out on and then we'll transition into those first writing jobs and, and all that good stuff here oh, in the second God. hour? I just, you know, I'm, as during these breaks, memories flow back. Um, while I was at the Florida Alligator, the campus paper, I went to Daytona and Sebring and, and uh, photographed and covered um, the races. Um, and um, those were the races that were featured. I can't remember the name of the movie. It just came out a year or two ago about um, all these great sports car racers at Le Mans and Sebring and Daytona. And I watched all of that. Roger Penske, um, all those guys driving. I, I got press passes. I was in the pit. It was unbelievable watching those races. And I also went to the Palm Beach uh, Rock Festival, which was sort of a dry run before Woodstock. It was a, about two or three weeks before Woodstock, and they were all there. Hendrix, uh, Joplin. Uh, and I again, I had backstage pass. I was a writer and a photographer. Uh, just breathtaking moments in history. All right. Uh, we are chatting with Meathead. We're going to run through the second hour, and we will come back, and we will be told a love story, amongst other things. So stick oh. around. And <laughs> well, I'm hoping so. I've built up a love story that's going to be happening here at some point. So uh, You can find Meathead, of course, at AmazingRibs.com and the second Tuesday of the month right here on this show. So stick around for the second hour. We will be right back.